0: The deaths of two notable Americans who rose from modest beginnings to the heights of power in politics and football. Plus the CDC revises the stats on Omicron and the time capsule has been opened. We'll tell you what's in it. Wednesday Need to Know, let's go. Good morning, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know Podcast for December 29th. I'm Carlo Versano here with Baker Machado once again. Good morning, Baker.
1: Good Wednesday morning to you, Carlo Versano, live from uh, my bunker up uh, upstate in New York. Um, as you can see on the YouTube, my beard getting a little bit thicker. Good. I'm, serving, I'm serving brawny daddy realness here on this podcast, which, of course, <laughs> you know I'm all about right now. Uh, Carlo, uh, one update to a story. Obviously, we've been talking about a lot this month. Uh, December, as we've said, the month of Mariah Carey. Now, as we're about to end this year, and the month of December. Billboard came out yesterday saying, All I Want for Christmas has now spent 50 total weeks on the Hot 100. It is the first song in music history to spend its 50th week on the chart at number one, just continuing to show that the month of December is the month of Mimi.
0: Gotcha. man, she has made serious money off that song, huh? Pretty remarkable. And just speaking of Christmas, this is the week in New York City where everybody tosses their Christmas trees onto the, yes, uh, yes. onto the, onto the curb, <laughs> which is always kind of funny. It's like these it's trees so depressing, that loved, cared so lovingly for, uh, all of a sudden now they're just garbage. But the thing that I I keep noticing, and I don't know if this is a new thing or not, people are throwing their Christmas trees out by wrapping them in garbage bags, in plastic bags. Oh, I've never seen people- that. That's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's like you understand that a Christmas tree is by definition like the most compostable thing on earth. You don't need to wrap it in plastic. Well, <laughs> you would think – you. by the way, you,
1: you would think it is the most compostable, but it is actually that is not correct. I and, and I normally know that because I. this is the reason why I have a fake tree behind me. When it decomposes in the landfill, it emits so much um, – methane, that it is actually really bad for the environment when you actually throw away your trees. Hence, one of the reasons why I have a fake tree behind me. But this also huh. gets to another larger question, which is also a debated topic. How long do you keep your Christmas tree up after Christmas? Um, some people, they wrap it up the day after. In our house, we do it before New Year's. There are some people, like my mother, I know she keeps the Christmas tree up at least until the middle of January. So if you're still watching- January uh, 6th. YouTube- yeah, so the feast of the Epiphany. That's when you stream, t- that's
0: when you get rid of it,
1: <laughs> right? So if you're watching us right now on the YouTube and you're like, "God, Baker still has his Christmas tree up behind him," uh, yes, there's a reason. Uh, I, according at least to Country Living, which you know that's most of where my my information comes from, uh, you at least have until the end of the year to do it.
0: I just I also feel like people uh, I, I saw it in the fall too. People would. Would dump their, uh, they would put all their raked leaves into plastic garbage bags. that's oh, like, yeah. What are you, what are you doing? You don't need to, to, to do that. Okay. Anyway, that's just another pet peeve yes. of mine, I guess. Well,
1: well. So, Carlo, you mentioned some big uh, deaths of people that we lost uh, in the uh, in the world yesterday, and let's start with one of the big ones in in the political world. Harry Reid, the former Senate Majority Leader, responsible for steering the Obama agenda through Congress has died at the age of 82. He was a respected politician on both sides of the aisle, if for no other reason than the extraordinary odds that he overcame to become one of the most powerful people in Washington. He grew up without indoor plumbing, that in a tiny Nevada mining town where his mother made ends meet by doing the laundry for local brothels. Now, Reed earned money as an amateur boxer, got his law degree, and rose through the ranks of Nevada politics all the way to the U.S. Senate where he famously identified Barack Obama as a political contender for the Democratic nomination. That, and I think Ted Kennedy's endorsement definitely were two of the big endorsements for Barack Obama, then the candidate against Hillary Clinton, who was seen as the front runner at that time. Uh, But Harry Reid also became famous in Nevada politics because he famously took on the Vegas mob and and won substantially against the Vegas mob as well. So that kind of elevated him to power. Uh, And look, he even had sort of a... Not the best, but a respectable relationship with his counterpart, Mitch McConnell, who was always the minority or majority leader with Harry Reid whenever the mm-hmm. Democrats or Republicans would basically flip the chamber. Um, but definitely a, a big icon in in, in, po- in the political world. And we should also note just a few weeks ago, the McCarran Airport in Las Vegas changed mm-hmm. the name of the airport now to the Harry Reid International
0: Airport. That's very cool that he was alive uh, to get to see that. Uh, not not many people can say that they got an airport named after them in life. True. Um, but but ba- back to what you're saying about Obama, uh, Obama acknowledged as much, basically saying uh, in a letter that he wrote to Reid that he released yesterday that he wouldn't have been president if not for Harry Reid's support and encouragement. And the thing about Harry Reid… Um, is especially you know if you're not if you weren't really paying attention to politics sort of in the Obama era, it, he understood something that very few Democrats who are currently in office seem to understand, which is it's about class, right? They always say it's about the economy, stupid. It's about class, stupid. I, that's that's sort of always been my mantra on this podcast, right? Democrats have become obsessed in the in the last decade or so with this idea of identity politics, right? Which is completely antithetical to what somebody like Harry Reid believed, right? Harry Reid believed he understood understood that people don't group themselves in, in regular life by their gender or their race or their sexual orientation or whatever. They group themselves by their lot in life, right? The material conditions of their actual lived experience. That is, you can be white. Black, brown, gay, trans, a- Asian, whatever. If you're working for the man, you're in the fight together. Um, and I just, all, I, I always respected that ab- about him. And I feel like that's something that has really been lost in Democratic circles um, in the years since he was uh, he was around. And I always, I also just, I really always have just immense respect for people who came from literally nothing. I mean, this guy, yeah, it was sure. like a, nothing. He, his, his upbringing was like a Dickens novel. I mean, he literally, mm-hmm. um, it's also why I always had a soft spot for John Boehner, the former Republican uh, House Speaker. Somebody whom I disagreed with on probably just about everything, but I always kind of respected him as somebody who grew up poor in you know rural Ohio. He was the son of a barkeep. He had 11 siblings, yep. uh, and he came went on to become the Speaker of the House. Uh, it's also, frankly, why I like Joe Biden, even for all of his faults. Right, just something about that resilience of defying the odds and overcoming the odds to rise to power. I just find I find very inspiring.
1: Well, it, p- the other part about Harry Reid, just from the political aspect, he was an incredibly shrewd political strategist. And obviously, th- what he will be remembered during his time as Senate Majority Leader was getting Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, yep. basically the final passage here. And that's going to basically be the same thing for Nancy Pelosi as well. Sort of when you look, when historians look back at both of them in particular, the hand-wringing and ushering of getting that incredibly complex, difficult piece of legislation through, and I think as we see the trials and tribulations of Joe Biden trying to get his Build Back Better bill through the Senate, and how difficult it has been for Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, to get that done, I think you go you, you sort of appreciate Harry Reid, for what he was able to do to get Obama's signature piece of legislation through. Now, granted, Harry Reid had a lot more Democratic senators 60 than Chuck seats. Schumer yeah. did. Yeah, he had close to 60 seats at that particular time. So you have a little bit more wiggle room than you do right now. But it also goes to show, I think, in this, in this incredibly polarized country right now, it, unless you nuke the filibuster, days of getting— Part like sort of legislation like the Affordable Care Act done in today's Senate is sort of a bygone era at this particular point, unless you nuke the filibuster, which I should note, Harry Reid, who is a great big institutionalist, had come out in his later years saying that that was something that they had to get rid of, which was the filibuster. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, let's talk about the other loss that we lost yesterday, and that is John Madden, the Hall of Fame football coach who went on to call NFL games in the broadcast booth. For three decades, also died yesterday. Uh, He was 85 years old. Madden coached the Oakland Raiders to a title in 1977 before he opened a second act as an analyst, working for all four of the broadcast networks at one point with his everyman style that made him one of the most beloved sportscasters of all time. He had a famous uh, crazy fear of flying that caused him to crisscross the country for games by Amtrak, or you remember his Madden cruiser mm-hmm. that became uh, that decked out bus that he took all over the place, which was always so funny. But a lot of us also know him and, and his legacy, I think, in terms of his name will live on forever because of the video game, the, the video game, yeah. the Madden NFL video game uh, done through electronic art. Uh, I, over the holiday period, um, we were seeing some relatives over FaceTime on Christmas and one of my uh, my in-laws' kids, who is literally like eight years old, he was telling us that for Christmas he got the latest Madden game. And he was so excited to play it because that's literally one of the best football games that you can play. And he has no idea who John Madden is. And John Madden, except for the name, has no is not even in the video game anymore. But his legacy goes on forever because of that video game in many ways. Yes.
0: Well, I think that's how a lot of people our age particularly remember him, right? I, I sort of have these uh, the, these memories from college, my freshman dorm, you know, all of the guys would like pile into some one person's room, whoever had like the biggest TV. Yeah, we would all play Madden, and that's how a lot of us sort of like became friends with each other. But I think that's especially important for like, uh, you know, guys, m- men, especially in college, don't do a very good job of kind of like, uh, th- you know, they need sort of like a, a reason to, to, to hang out if, if it's not just like drinking, I think, in some ways. and, and Madden <laughs> Yeah, like, pick
1: him over and
0: play Madden. Yes. Yeah, Madden was sort of that for us. And uh, you know, my 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 old college roommate, who is, uh, has since passed away, he used to do this amazing. Add an impression that still kills me, where he, you know, he would make fun of Madden, sort of like, like you said, his everyman style, right? Because he would, Madden would call these games, and he would be like, if, uh, if the quarterback throws the ball <laughs> yes. down to the receiver, yes. that's going to be way, a touchdown right that. there. By the way, I'm
1: glad you said that. because part of the shtick that made Madden sort of funny, and Frank Caliendo, the comedian, always did the best <laughs> impressions of him, because Madden's Sting was just pointing out the obvious, which was the wide right, receiver right. goes over here, the running back goes. Right. Over here, but there was part of a charm that was so great about Madden. Totally. And this is also why he became such a great television pitch man, also afterwards. I mean, he was doing yeah. like you know, athletes' foot commercials and all these other things. But you're right, the everyman thing was part of the appeal to somebody like him. And just really quickly on the topic of the video game, I just want to go back to those for a second. I was doing some research on it this morning. He it apparently when they created the video game. Madden was the third choice of what Electronic Arts wanted to to sort of, uh, you know, be the face of the game. They originally wanted Joe Montana to to be the face of the Mm. game. He had an existing endorsement deal already done. And Madden apparently just off of royalties was making two to four million dollars reportedly every year just off of that video game. And I think at one point I saw a report he made about a hundred million dollars just for his name and likeness uh, just off of that video game. So that's really incredible just to think that That was something he probably didn't have a ton of work that he had to do, but yet he was collecting tons of checks from it.
0: Passive income, man. It's a wonderful thing if you can pull it off.
1: All right, so let's talk now, Carlo, about the coronavirus The new updates here. The CDC has significantly revised its modeling numbers on COVID variants. They're now saying that Omicron represents about 58% of all the cases in the U.S. right now. Now, the agency had previously estimated that the fast-spreading variant was higher than that. They thought it was up to 73% of the nationwide cases. But still, there's no question the variant is behind an astonishing rise in new infections that thankfully has not led to a parallel spike in hospitalizations or deaths. As we've been saying the last uh, week or so, Carlo, every day it seems like the number of cases continues to go up. We're now averaging right now a little over 250,000 cases per day, but just like I had said yesterday, the death case numbers continue to stay relatively flat. We're still just averaging 1,200 deaths a day.
0: And I know that cases aren't really the, uh, the metric to watch anymore, but some of these numbers are just absolutely astonishing. New York City, one out of 60 residents of Manhattan tested positive last week. Uh, the biggest hotspot, though, has moved down to the D.C., uh, sort of oh, yeah, uh, Northern Virginia, there. D.C., Maryland region. Cases have risen more than 3,000 percent since Thanksgiving. If you look at the charts, uh, it's just off the chart, right? It's like a literal exponential rise, um, unlike anything we've ever seen, which just means, I mean, thank God, thank God this wasn't the first variant of this thing when nobody had any acquired oh, immunity or vaccines we would be in a seriously bad place if that were the case um so you know we are we are thankful i mean hospitalizations are going up i think they're up about 12 percent in new york city we've got this tick up in pediatric hospitalizations which is something that uh, obviously is notable that we have to keep our eyes on um and obvi- and also i just think about you know all, you know we talk about this as sort of like oh this is no big deal um You know, you're just going to get a cold as long as you're vaccinated. Uh, And that's true for most people. But there's also a lot of immunocompromised people out there. And I feel like that's sort of a, uh, you know, that's a, those are people who have kind of gotten the short end of the stick, I think, this whole time, right? People don't really think about them um, in their risk calculus, including myself. I'm not immunocompromised, so I I I often don't sort of think about them. But those are the people who have to continue to take serious precautions, um, and all the more reason why, you know, the more people who are vaccinated who can help protect them, the better, right? Absolutely, so well
1: said, Carlo, especially for all of us who know people who are immunocompromised and we're going through scary moments during the pandemic just trying to keep them safe. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about this devastating story we have been tell you about in Los Angeles, the parents of that teen girl that was killed by an LAPD mm-hmm. officer inside that department store in Hollywood last week now demanding justice, that after police released the distressing body cam footage of the incident. Police responding to a call of a man beating a woman with what turned out to be a bike lock. The lone officer who fired his gun was being told to slow down a dozen times by his fellow officers before he shot and killed the assailant. He also fired a bullet that went through a dressing room wall and killed the girl. Her name is Valentina uh, Orleana Peralta. Um, I I saw a piece in the LA Times yesterday, they described her as uh, a very shy, but very sweet girl
0: yeah you know we've been covering um the story for a few days uh, and and I think really the headline here is just these questions that are being raised about this police response especially given that the assailant was not armed right after Columbine um, you know the big thing in policing was this change in how they responded to active shooter calls right back in the day they didn't treat active shooter calls as something that they needed to rush in and try and stop at all at all costs right um, but basically now what they do is they rush the shooter and they they try to demobilize him at all costs to prevent a worse incident, even if that leads to loss of life. Uh, and that, and that's—I think—that's a good policy, right? Just given all of the uh, active shooter incidents we've had in this country. But th- th- it's only a good policy if it's actually an active shooter. And in, in this case, it was just some lunatic who was walking around hitting people with a bike lock. Um, obviously, you know, he should have been apprehended. And I, I don't have any. Um, uh, you know empathy for for his death, but it requires a a different response. I think, right? You just shouldn't be blasting through a department store with a high powered rifle if you're a police officer. And if you watch this body cam footage, it really oh, looks like some of these some of these cops were going in there just like looking looking to shoot somebody, and it's just. You know, we we talk about the, you know, the police response, the, the, the issues with policing in this country. And I think one of those issues is just there's a lot of police in America who, you know, shoot first and ask questions later. And uh, that's what what I think led to this poor little girl's death.
1: Uh, the, the, I watched just the bits and pieces and clips of. um the press conference with her parents, and and your your heart just breaks for the family, especially given the fact that the daughter was getting a dress for her quinceanera, and she died in her mother's arms. Just so sad. And of course, we'll continue to bring you guys more updates uh, on this mm-hmm. podcast when we get them about that story. Uh, let's move now to the uh, to business news and Silicon Valley in particular, Carlo, because Apple and Facebook parent company Meta now in a war for talent. That is, the rivals are ramping up R and D on augmented and virtual reality headsets and smartwatches, Apple reportedly offering bonuses, $180,000 in stock grants just to keep their top engineers to stay at the company. This after Meta hired away hundreds of Apple employees over the last few months. Now, we should also note Apple has also poached some of Meta's engineers, but it does look like this ramp up in the interest in the metaverse right now. It has a lot of uh, engineers, Silicon Valley uh, analysts and workers Wanting to join companies like Facebook, I saw a story yesterday that um, Oculus was one of the most downloaded apps yeah. uh, on Christmas Day. In particular, Oculus was one of the most purchased items. Uh, and We know Oculus, basically, you need if you're going to be part of the metaverse. But this gets into a larger question. Now, when you see companies like Microsoft, Nike, other Paris Hilton now is going to be part of the metaverse also, um, does this force <laughs> companies like Apple to basically say, look, The metaverse is basically it here. Mark Zuckerberg is right. That is the next wave of the Internet. We're all going to be virtual avatars here soon. So in a way for us to keep our top talent from going to meta, um, maybe we need an Apple headset because of all of this.
0: Well, that's the that's the thing. It's all about wearables, right? Both of these companies are expected to roll out major new wearable releases in the coming years from smart, you know, new smartwatches to uh, goggles, glasses, glasses. you know if it were just facebook sort of playing in the metaverse vr space I, I wouldn't really think it's anything worth paying attention to but i think the fact that apple is working on some kind of headset means that they see value in it and they're usually right about these things um i, I personally can't imagine a world where people want to walk around with some clunky device wrapped around their face uh in, in <laughs> Me too. going about their well, day we're the old curmudgeons
1: um, here on this yeah so.
0: look I would have said the same thing if you told me about the iPhone back in, like, 2005, 2006. I would have been like, who wants the big piece of, like, expensive glass, you know, heavy glass right. uh, in, in their pocket all day? That just seems like a disaster. So what do I know, right? Uh, and, yeah, to, to your point, the you know, the fact that Oculus is the number one app in the App Store seems to tell you something.
1: Uh, by the way, if you're getting $180,000 in Apple stock— I mean Apple stock up 40% so far year to date and it's so incredibly close to hitting that 3 trillion dollar market cap. Uh so 180,000 dollars in Apple shares. Uh it sounds pretty and nice. The, and
0: the, uh, maybe, and they vest. And 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 they vest over 4 years like oh, yeah, right? that's yeah. The point. That, oh, that's yeah. why that's why they that's how they keep people uh there, right? Cuz it's not like you can just take the stock and and bounce. You got to stay for it to vest.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, good point. Meanwhile, I wanna talk about this strange story with Amazon. They're tweaking the Alexa database. This after a 10 year old girl in the UK was challenged by the voice assistant to stick a penny in a live electrical socket. The girl's mom said she asked Alexa for a challenging job to do and the algorithm generated a response apparently based on an old TikTok trend that it found on the web. This in which people pull plugs halfway out of the wall and then put pennies on the exposed prongs. Uh, Needless to say, uh, don't do that. That sounds like a (laughs) terrible, terrible idea. Uh, I, I just can't believe that Alexa would be like, here of all the TikTok videos, the millions and billions of TikTok videos that are generated, I'm gonna pull this one about putting pennies on an electrical socket.
0: Amazon uh, confirming that it fixed that error. So, a uh, error. So, Alexa will no longer suggest uh, that you electrocute yourself with a penny. But first of all, if you stick a penny in an outlet because Alexa told you to, uh, that's Darwinism right there. I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I, I hate I hate to say it, uh, but in all seriousness, you know, there was a Bloomberg uh, Business Week story this week um, that I thought was really interesting, and I meant to make a note of it the other day. It was just about uh, the interest in Alexa and some of these um, the voice assistants really starting to fade. Uh, Bloomberg uh, got their hands on a bunch of internal Amazon documents showing as much um it just it shows that people not only just concerned with the privacy and they hear stories like this one i think that, that puts them off of these devices but the big reason again according to these internal documents obtained by bloomberg people just don't find it that useful right we were we were sold yeah, we were kind of sold in this world where these voices assistants were gonna like, you know do our homework and teach us French or something. But they're really just like expensive kitchen timers with the added benefit of, you know, spying on you
1: <laughs> right. No, no. Listen, I, I I I consider myself to be a pretty technologically savvy individual. I have I have a lot of smart gadgets around my house, you know, from smart thermostats to all these other things, you know, televisions. The one thing I still almost refuse to get on board with are the voice assistants, and I don't know if it's because I have a unique voice that these voice assistants never understand how to translate mm-hmm. me. Because anytime I would say like Siri, turn up the music or whatever. It has no idea what I'm doing uh, or what I'm trying to imply. So for me, it's always just been easier to just do it myself. I'll just, you know, turn yeah. up the music myself or I'll just change the channel myself instead of asking the voice assistant. But I do know other people that love their voice assistants and is, and have made their lives incredibly easier as a result of this. I'm jealous of that um, just because you I only- only just think.
0: The the only one of these these smart things that I actually like is the, the nest, the 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 smart thermostat. Yeah, that's you know, what I have one. One. love
1: it. It's amazing. Yeah, I
0: had I had one of those in my old apartment and I miss it. The way that it's able to sort of like modulate the temperature based oh, on whether amazing. you're home or not. Yeah, that's the only one of these things that I actually think is. I have saved as
1: so much of you. my energy bills because of that yeah. nest thermostat, which is amazing.
0: Okay, Baker, a little more to know before we go here.
1: Yeah, Carlo, an update on that shooting spree in Denver. We mentioned yesterday the shooter has been identified as Lyndon McLeod, who was known to people for ranting online about masculine supremacy and quoting Donald Trump. He also appears to have targeted the five people he killed before police shot him.
0: It's always the same with these stories, some psychotic uh, white man on the internet. Anyway, uh, moving overseas here, the humanitarian group Save the Children, confirming that two of its aid workers were killed in an attack in Myanmar that left more than 30 people dead over Christmas, including women and children. The nationalities of these aid workers are still unclear, but both were said to be new fathers uh, who were in that country working on the humanitarian response uh, when they were caught up in this violent crackdown by the ruling junta, uh, the, you know, the, the military that took uh, took power in that coup almost a year ago has just been violently cracking down on the people of that country. And, you know, organizations like Save the Children have been there every step of the way to help.
1: Uh, On the topic of crackdowns, but in a completely different category, another pro-democracy news outlet now in Hong Kong shut down that after police raided the officers and arrested the editors. Stand News was one of the last remaining independent news sites covering the city which is now almost fully in Beijing's control
0: here, Carlo. God, it's so sad what's happening there. Uh, Back home, heavy snow has been falling in California's Sierra Nevada Mountains 17 feet so far this month. Uh, The Sierra snowpack, of course, critical to helping ease the drought. That's where Californians get a lot of their drinking water. Um, Those experts, uh, A lot of uh, experts and meteorologists say it's still not enough to get back to the historical average, but uh, it is making a difference. So we can only hope for more snow and more rain out there in the West. Yeah, and we're seeing other parts of the country is seeing
1: extreme heat too. Parts of Texas, Houston and 67 Dallas in particular. in
0: Alaska on
1: Sunday. Yeah, that's and, a new record. And Houston Houston and Dallas seeing temperatures in the 80s yesterday, which is just insane. Meanwhile, NASA's James Webb is about to start a delicate process of unfolding itself into its final form as it rockets through space. Over the next 2 weeks, the space telescope will begin a kind of reverse origami. That is, it performs the highly choreographed process of unfurling. This is a part where a lot could go wrong. And if there's a mechanical failure, ooh, Carlo, this could be a potential disaster here.
0: Yeah, it was uh, this thing was gigantic. So they had to sort of like fold it up so it would fit on the uh, nose cone of the rocket. And now they have to kind of unfold it as it's going through space. Uh, so this, these next couple of weeks will be critical. Once they get past this, though, it should be smooth sailing, hopefully. Uh, and finally, cons- conservationists in Richmond have meticulously removed the items from that Confederate era time capsule that, that they discovered buried under the Robert E. Lee statue that towered over that city for 130 years. Not inside was that uh, rumored elusive photograph of President Lincoln after his death. The box did, however, contain books, a Bible, some money, and ammunition, uh, and some other unknown documents historians are very excited to study. Oh, yeah. So uh, very cool, very cool stuff out of my old time. RIC.
1: I didn't know this until yesterday. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's widow was very adamant about any photo about his casket or anything about when he was dead any photo existing out there. So this is why historians were so excited potentially about seeing this photo of him in his mm. casket, even though it does sound kind of, <laughs> kind of you know, sad and dreary to be like, I want to see a photo of somebody in a casket. But because it's been sort of this elusive enigma for right. people for so long, like Nessie the Loch Ness Monster, I think that's why a lot of people were really intrigued by this. And so the investigation continues.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Well, that's what you need to know for Wednesday, December 29th. See you tomorrow.